Well, good morning. Certainly good to be here with you today and to be able to share a little bit about uh, what God is doing uh, through our ministry and also to bring you a message uh, from uh, an Old Testament story, the story of Goliath. And so if you want to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17, we're going we're gonna to do that. Uh, we are back from the Philippines for a little while, and uh, God has been blessing what has been going on there. We're finally coming out of COVID. The Philippines has had the longest lockdown in history in the Philippines. It's an amazing thing. In fact, just this week, they finally removed the mandatory mask mandate from as long as you're outside. So we're praying that it will continue to normalize and we will be able to get on with our regular ministries and life. You know, uh, it's been an interesting season there. I remember when all of this began a couple of years ago and we were locked down in our home and I don't do very good locked down in a home, I can tell you that, all right? Uh, but uh, after just about 10 or 15 days, I told Luann, I said, I've gotta get out. Uh, they put up barricades between cities and all kinds of stuff, military grade checkpoints. And uh, so I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and try to find out how far I can get. And she says, well, what are you going to do? You're only allowed to do essential things. And I said, well, I'm going to go to the bank. I said, we've got any money around here? I, 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 you know, let me go deposit something in the bank. And so I got in the car and I took off down the road and I got to the first checkpoint. And the guy, man, he was, uh, oh man, he had a big rifle. He was in fatigue very intimidating and I pull up there and he, I roll down the window and he says where are you going and I says well I'm, I'm going to the bank I got to put some money in the bank and uh, he says well where's your bank and I says well it's uh, it's in this part of town uh, it's in a building uh, called medical plaza I said uh, he said, are you gonna do anything else there I said yeah I'm gonna probably visit my office it's in the same building but I'll just go up up you know the elevator and he says uh, he says where is that again I told him I said the building's name is Medical Plaza. You know, our building is next, the ministry office is in a building, it was next to a hospital. And uh, he says, well, what do you do there? So I pulled out my card and uh, uh, because I have a PhD, my card says, Dr. Greg Lyons. And I just showed him my card and he goes, Oh, doctor, I'm so sorry. You should be in the fast lane. And he moved over, was moving cars and waving me on by, you know, and taking care of things. Finally, that thing got me some respect, I can tell you. It was a great day, you know. Uh, we have, our ministries have come back, and uh, we just celebrated a big friend day, and we were measured in the past couple of years because of the pandemic. But God so blessed this past uh, July when we had friend day. We, we, uh, we have a multi-site church. We have 23 congregations all over Metro Manila, and we, we just asked God to bless. Our goal was to have 23,000 people in church on that friend day, and God blessed across all of our multi-sites with over 27,000 people present and over 13,000 people saved on that weekend. God has just done amazing things. I believe we're on our way back and God is continuing to bless. I also wanna thank High Street Baptist Church as one of our partners. Global Surge uh, has been working for many years in a variety of things. I've mentioned our camps and other things.
things like that. But uh, God has, uh, has just blessed through the years. And I was informed by our team that uh, this year we celebrate a million souls saved since we began. And you have a part in all of those young people who have come to know Jesus Christ. 1 Samuel 17. Now, we all know the story of David and Goliath. I mean, it's been well documented. There's movies about it. There's all kinds of stuff. And I know that those of us who have been in church a long time are very familiar with the story. But I want you to just take a minute and go back with me in time to that day in the Valley of Elah where the battle was set. And if you could imagine in your mind and even engage your senses a little bit, what would you be hearing during that time among the soldiers that were preparing for a great battle? I have never been in the military, but I've talked to many who have, and, and no doubt in the minds of the soldiers, the warriors there on the side of Israel, as they were preparing for that day and the coming battle that they knew would ensue, the thought of, this could be my last day. The thought of, I might not go home today. That it's going to be a brutal fight and it's gonna be difficult. The clanking of the shields and the swords and the armor is what you would hear. The smells of the battlefield and the potential danger that you would have all around you. It must have been an awesome time. Maybe fearful at times, a difficult time. And so I want you to go back in a fresh way and look at what was happening on that day. In 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 21, it says, for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words, and so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Now get the picture. You have the Philistine army on one side of the valley and their camp, they're waiting to fight and they're lining up ready to begin the battle. And on the other side, you have the Israeli army that is also prepared and camped on the other side of the valley. And they see each other. They know the forces. The numbers are in the tens of thousands of soldiers and warriors on each side. And it's going to be hand-to-hand combat, and it's going to be tough. And in the middle of that, the Philistine army, there comes out a man, Goliath, who is nearly eight feet tall, a huge man, has a reputation of an incredible warrior, and he says this, he says, we don't need to fight our armies against each other. Send me one man, just one man, and let him fight me. And whoever wins that fight, that battle, then they will be the conqueror and the other army will surrender. And nobody from the Israelite army stood up. Now, 
Now, who is this army of the Israelites? These are the, this is the same army that came out of Egypt. They knew the stories. They have the heritage. They know the stories how that God parted the Red Seas and Red Sea and crushed the superpower of that day. They know that story. They have heard it rehearsed through ages of their, uh, of their ancestors and it came to them. They, they know firsthand of how the, 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 the stories of how that they went through the wilderness and they conquered every army that they faced. They know the story of how the Jordan River backed up when they walked across and they were able to begin taking the, the, the promised land. This was all in their heritage. It was all in their military training. It was all there. They served a God that had done incredible things. They remembered the story how that the army of Israel walked around the city of Jericho and without even, even lifting a sword, the walls of Jericho, which was impregnable at the time, it was a super force at the time, that it came crumbling down because of the power of Almighty God. This is the army that they are part of. And one man comes out and it says they're dreadfully afraid. I think there's some lessons here for us. You know, maybe you're not in a battle like this but you're in a different kind of battle. You're facing a different kind of Goliath. Maybe there is something going on in your life that you, you feel totally out of control. And maybe you've been a Christian for quite a while, but when this came into your life, it stunned you. It could be a health crisis. It could be a family crisis. Luann and I have six children. That's why I have no hair, okay? We thought raising kids was tough, but I'm here to tell you that adult children are far more difficult than young children. Are you with me? I tell you what. And, I, uh, and, and you just never know what's going to come. You get a call, you get an email, you get a text or something, and, and, and you get hit, and, and you wonder what, what is going on next. And you, you find yourself, even as a Christian in a, uh, for a long time, being faced with a Goliath of a problem. Could be that your business falls apart. It could be that you get your, your pink slip from the boss and the, and, the, and the company is closed down and your whole life is disrupted. Your plans for the future are, are, are already set and yet something happens, a Goliath of a problem and you don't know what to do. Have you ever been there? That's what they were facing. And we face Goliath problems all the time in our life. And I want to pull out from this story four simple things to give us some hope and faith that no matter what Goliath, what problem, what difficult situation that we face, that we will find a way through. Four simple things, I call it the faith of David that we need to have in our life. When David spoke to the men in verse 26, he says, who, verse 26, who, 
who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David was not numbered among those that were terrified. He knew the God that he served could overcome even a Goliath. First thing that David had was David saw opportunity when others saw danger. David was not distracted or dismayed. David said, this is an opportunity for God to be exalted. When you're faced with a problem that you think you cannot overcome, then I'm, I'm here to tell you that that is the time that God comes to the table. When that Goliath of a problem shows up, have the faith of David and see the opportunity to bring glory to God. You know, when, uh, when uh, Deuteronomy says, let me go here first, Deuteronomy 20 and verse one says, when thou goest out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and people more than you, be not afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. It is the same God that parted the Red Sea that we serve today. When this pandemic hit in the Philippines, I mean, it was brutal. Nobody under 18 was allowed out of the house. Can you imagine that for two years? How many has ever had teenagers in their house? Can you imagine? My goodness. Nobody over 65 was allowed out of their house for two years. I mean, it just was lifted a few months ago. Incredible. And ministries were hurting because we were not allowed to meet and other restrictions were placed on us. And, you know, one of our ministries is, a, is an evangelistic camp ministry, and we had, to, we had to set aside that for a while. But after about, you know, a few months, three or four months, we're sitting around as a team and we're saying, you know what, we can't, we can't let this just shut us down. We have to find a way through. Because of the teenagers being holed up in their homes, Depression was skyrocketing among teenagers. Teenage suicide was skyrocketing in Metro Manila. And, and boy, the, the government and the, the, the social workers, they didn't know how to handle it. It was just becoming incredible. And so we decided to come up with our own ideas. Well, uh, since COVID was raging, uh, they, all ha they had all these protocols that the city was putting on everything. So we decided to create our own uh, protocol called COVID Safe Zones, CSZs. And our team came together. We said, okay, we're going to start certifying our facilities as COVID Safe Zones. We followed all the protocols. We had the hand sanitizer, the temperature checks, the distancing, everything like that, all of that. And then, so we, 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 we did it. We issued ourselves our own certificates, by the way, okay, sealed them. Did it. You can do this kind of stuff, you know, in the Philippines. And so we, we did that. And then we went to the, to the local officials and we said, we have a solution for 
for the teenage depression and suicide that you're facing. We have a message of hope that will give them hope and help them survive the pandemic lockdowns. And, and they said, well, why are you going to do it? Well, we have certified some places called COVID safe zones, CSZs, and here's our certification. And we need your permission to let, let the teenagers out of their homes and come to these COVID safe zones. And we'll be able to help them with our program. I tell you what, the officials bought it. And they said, wow. And, uh, and they said, wow, now are you following all the protocols? I said, yes, man, yeah, the CSZs, they're, they're, everything is there. Here's a list of it. We got masks, we got everything, and uh, we fogged the place. We do all kinds of stuff, you know. And they said, wow, that's great. They, and you know what they said to us? They said, you are the first group that has come that has offered to do something about it and that, that is not coming to ask us for something. They started releasing young people to us. They said, We're gonna, would you be all, all right if we only release at a time and you use in your COVID safe zone uh, 150 young people at a time? I said, that's a deal. We'll do that. And so we began rolling through the pro programs of day camps and having them in our COVID safe zones. By the end of the, of the period of time that we were allowed to do this, we had taken over 20,000 young people to these, these programs and saw thousands come to know Jesus Christ. In addition to that, it built incredible favor with the government officials. And by the way, there was, there was never one time, not one time did we experience an outbreak of any kind from the young people that came. God's hand was with us. I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter what the Goliath of a problem that you face. God is still in control. He can take care of you. He will help you through. Do not see it as danger, but see it as opportunity. See opportunity when others see danger. Second, trust God's reputation, not my own ability. So when Saul heard about David and this, or not specifically about, but some young man who had, had said he was willing to go and fight the, the giant, Saul said, hey, call that guy over. I'd like to talk to him. And, and Saul brings him in. And, and he says, so you are, you are the one who wants to fight the, the giant. Now, David is just a teenager at this time. I mean, historical records put him at about 16 to 17 years old. Maybe he was a little scrawny at the time. And Saul looks at, the, looks at David and says, wow, you want to fight the giant? And he says this in verse number 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Listen to what David said. He said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it, struck and killed it. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We need to get a visual of this, okay? So for all of the hunters out here, listen to this story. This is a real hunter. David, the teenager, is out in the field with his sheep, and a lion comes and grabs with his mouth one of the lambs and takes off. David chases the lion down. That's a hunter, okay? 
chases the lion down, takes the lamb out of the mouth of the lion and walks away. And when the lion growls at him, David goes, oh no, 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 just a minute. And he puts the, he puts the, the, the lamb down, comes back, grabs the lion by the beard and kills the lion. That's a hunter, all right. He had incredible courage incredible faith that there was nothing that God couldn't do. David says this to Saul. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Trust God's reputation not my own ability. What David was saying, it's not my size, it's not my skill, it's not my ability, but I walk with the Lord. Can I ask you some questions? Has God ever failed you? Has he ever failed you? No. Has God ever failed anyone that you know no then why would we doubt the power of God in the midst of a Goliath of a problem his reputation is secure for generations he has delivered people I tell you what sometimes even though we have been a Christian a long time even though we may have walked with God, when that Goliath of a problem shows up, we get afraid, we fail to see that this is an opportunity to glorify God, and then we start trying to work out the problems ourselves through our own ability and reasoning instead of remembering the awesome power of a mighty God. I remember the first time that we were invited to do evangelistic camps in Pakistan. The gentleman came and invited us to do that, and, and I said, man, I, I don't know if it'll work there. Uh, he said, uh, I remember <laughs> the story went like this. He comes to me, he says, I, I, I've come to you because I've, I've seen your program in the Philippines. I'd like you to bring it to Pakistan. Would you, would you do your program in Pakistan? And I said, well, I, no, I, I'm not going to do that. He says, why? I says, no, we don't work in those kind of countries. I said, you know, we, you know, young people over there are different than young people here. He says, no, they're just young people. And I said, no, I don't think it'll go. And, and he says, and, he, and I said, man, it's real far. And I was using all kinds of excuses. Finally, he looked at me and he said, he said, uh, he said, uh, uh, you're, you're afraid. I said, I am not afraid. Is it safe there? He goes, why are you asking me this question? I said, I got to tell Luann something. I mean, you don't just wake up one day and say, hey, honey, going to Pakistan. You know, I mean, Pakistan is not on the top 10 tourist list. I don't know if you know that, you know. And he says, are you in God's will? Now, come on, let's be honest. That's like the nuclear question, Okay. What are you going to say? No, I'm grossly out of God's will. No, you're not going to say something like that. I said, of course I'm in God's will. He said, why don't you pray about it instead of giving me all these excuses? How many ever had somebody say stuff like that to them? You know, you're like, really? You're going to go there, you know? Shut me down. That's what happened. Truth is, I need to pray about it. God opened a door. I should have just walked through it. 
We had to get visas. I remember the time that we applied, five of us were applying for visas, and boy, they were asking us a whole lot of questions, and the, and the guy sends me a letter to take to the embassy, and it says, uh, from the Bible Baptist Church of Assad, Kashmir, Pakistan, inviting Dr. Greg Lyons to come and do evangelistic youth camps in Pakistan. I get the letter, I said, I can't go to the embassy with this. He says, we're not hiding anything. You take that down there. I said, okay. So I went down there and I thought, guess I'm not going, you know. I mean, they're going to shut me down. And I put it over there. I get on the desk, talk to the consul. The guy says, you want to do what in my country? I said, sir, that's your citizen. Just give him a call. You know, I'm just, I'm just the invitee, you know. And I, I get left the letter, everything like that. And uh, boy, they kept asking us for all kinds of papers. And it was taking months and months and months. And I thought it was just over. And then uh, I get a call from our office and says, hey, we need somebody to take the five passports back down to the Pakistan embassy about, about visas, and nobody can do it. And they said, uh, could, could you do it? And I said, well, okay, I got, I got the afternoon. Now, when you're taking something across Metro Manila, that's not an easy job, all right? It takes you a lot of time. I mean, uh, I live seven kilometers, which is approximately five miles from our office, and on a good day, it takes me an hour to get there, to go five miles, all right? I had to go all the way across, so it was, it was a long trek, and so I grabbed the passports, I had to get in the car, I run down there, it's the middle of the afternoon, and I'm, I'm standing there, it's in a tall office building, I'm the only one there waiting for the elevator, and as I'm standing there on the ground floor with the, pack, the, the passports in my hand, uh, the, a back door of, of, the, of the entrance to the building opened up, and in walks in a guy, a big SUV pulled up, and he's in a suit, and he's standing there beside me, and just he and I are waiting for the elevator, and we go in, get in the elevator, and he turns to me, and he says, what floor? And I said, the eighth floor. And he said, uh, he said, well, that's, that's the Pakistan embassy. And I said, yeah. He says, no, you don't understand. We have the whole floor. That's our embassy. I said, yeah, I'm going there. He, I said, do you work there? He says, I'm the ambassador. I did a flare prayer. Do you know what a flare prayer is? A flare prayer is when you don't have time to look spiritual. You just breathe something to God, okay? And my flare prayer was, slow down the elevator, we're there and we're going up and he looks at me and I've got my, the passports in my hand and he says, what are you planning to do at the embassy? I said, we're applying for visas. He says, oh, he says, do you have business in Pakistan? I said, won't know till I get there, you know. And he goes, well, and then he sees, he says, oh, he says, are you this group that is trying to get visas into my country? And I said, yes, sir, this, we're the group. I said, sir, we're not gonna do anything wrong in your country. We're gonna be a help to, this, to the young people in your country. We're gonna to talk to them about moral values and how to improve their life and how to have hope in their life. I said, I would really appreciate it if you would just consider our application. He looked at me and he said, well, he says, I will not make any promises, but I'll tell you what, I'll take a look at it today. I said, thank you. Thank you, sir. And we walked in. I gave the passports, signed the documents, and left. The next day, five missionary visas were stamped in all those passports, and we were given clearance. Can I tell you what? You can really trust God's reputation. He really is in control. It doesn't matter how big the Goliath 
problem is, God can help you through it. We're going back later this year to Pakistan. In fact, we're doing some more camps. I'm trying to raise $90,000 to take 10 to 15,000 kids back to Pakistan to hear the gospel. We have seen such fruit. Numerous churches have been planted, and God is moving in a mighty way. Pray about helping with that. Not only when others see danger, we see opportunity. Not only trust God's reputation, not my own ability, but third, use what God has given me now. This is the story. It says in verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor and he put on a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Saul put his armor on David. David walked around. It was too big or didn't fit or too heavy. And David said, I can't use that. And so he took it off and he used what God had already equipped him with. The principle on this is that when you face a Goliath of a problem, you are already prepared to have the victory. God has used your whole life up until this point. Everything that you have learned, everything that you have gone through, all of the struggles have built you to the place that God has all he needs in your life for the victory. A lot of people say, when they want to serve the Lord, or they, they have a problem, well, I'm not prepared, I'm not ready, I can't do this, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, when I get a promotion, when the kids leave the house, when I do this, and we have a myriad of excuses when in fact God is just saying, I've already prepared you. Use what you have. Don't use, don't be complaining about what you don't have, take time to look what you do have. And I, and God says, I will multiply it. It's the same story with the loaves and the fishes. When the disciples came to Jesus to feed the 5,000, they said, all we have is one boy that has some loaves and fishes, and Jesus takes it, blesses it, multiplies it, uses it for his glory. It doesn't matter what level you are in life. You have everything you have to accomplish what God wants you to do. It doesn't matter uh, whether whether you're well-educated or not well-educated, that God has prepared you divinely for this moment, and the Goliath you're facing is just simply something that you will walk through with God's power because he has already prepared you. When COVID hit, church planning took a hit in the Philippines. We couldn't gather. We were shut down. We had to make arrangements. And we had two guys that were ready to launch their church right when the whole pandemic began. 
And it was brutal for us. These poor guys, we, we had to help them up all the time, encourage them. But within the pandemic, we decided that we were going to go ahead and find a way through. And so we did. We, we were able to do relief. And so what we did was we gathered people for relief, preached to them, held the service, and launched the church. And God blessed with hundreds of people showing up because we decided to use what we already had. What excuses are you using in your life that is preventing God from giving you the victory that, that he has already prepared for you? What reasons are we trying to convince others and eventually try to convince God that it just won't work? I'm here to tell you, take a step back Look at what all God has done, what all God has given you. He has provided all the resources you need to get through the Goliath of a problem that you're facing. See opportunity when others see danger. Trust God's reputation, it's not my own ability. Use what God has given me now and finally keep moving when the battle is hot. When David faced Goliath, Goliath looks out on the field to this teenager coming with his sling and his staff, and Goliath says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And he says, I will kill you today and feed your flesh to the birds of the air. And David says in verse, 48, so verse 48, it says, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. When the battle was at its peak, David rushed forward. He didn't stop. I remember as a kid when my parents would come on furlough. They would deposit Eddie and I and our sister on a farm in Iowa. Now, I'm a city guy, okay? I like concrete, I like to see the air that I breathe. I come to the States, I get on a little oxygen high, okay? I'm not a jungle missionary, I admit that. If I get more than 20 miles away from a Starbucks, I could really go into convulsions, okay? I mean, that's me. And I get deposited on a farm off of Highway 2 out of Bloomfield, Iowa, and I tell you what, it was a great experience, but it was nothing that I was used to. And I remember one time that my granddad got us out in the field to shuck corn. How many's ever shucked corn? Raise your hand. Have you shucked corn? Now, my granddad never introduced to us the little thing that you could put on your hand that had a little hook on it to pop the ear out. No, 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 no. He just gave us some gloves, cloth gloves, and set us out there and says, grab the corn. And if you've ever shucked corn, you know that as you're doing it, if you don't do it right, 
the, 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 the leaves, the blades of the corn will cut your hand to pieces. Am I right? And so I was out there. And Eddie was out there. I don't know where my sister was, you know. She always got a pass, you know. And we're out there, and it's hot, and I'm itchy, and I'm grabbing the corn and throwing it everywhere, you know. And I, my, my gloves are cut up, my hands are cut up, and I'm honestly, I am there in the field praying, oh God, tornado, earthquake, something, get me out of this field. About that time, I heard Grandma yell from the house that it was time to eat dinner. It was 5 o'clock. At Grandpa's house, you had dinner precisely at 5 o'clock. So I thought, man, thank God we're getting out of this field. We went back to the house. We sat down for dinner. And at my granddad's house, when you sat down for dinner... You never said a word because the news was on and Grandpa was watching the news while he was eating dinner. So we just ate and were quiet. The news went on, the sports went on, finally came for the weather report to come on and the weather comes out and the guy says on the weather report that there was a chance of shower in the morning. And I thought, thank you, Lord. You know, we don't have to get in that field. The news went off. We're having, we're beginning to talk, eating our dinner. I'm really excited because I don't have to go out in the field. It's going to be raining. And my granddad says, well, boys, did you hear the news tonight? Yes, sir. Did you hear the weather report tonight? Yes, sir. And he says, there's a chance of shower in the morning." And I thought, yes, oh boy, I can't wait for what he's going to say next. And he said, well, we're going to have to get up real early in the morning, 4 o'clock, and beat the rain and get out in that field and finish shucking that corn. I learned something from my granddad, though, that day. My granddad's philosophy was that when things came up, things didn't happen to slow you down. Things happened to speed you up. When the battle is hot, you better keep going. Keep moving. You will make it through. I'm amazed at how God works. God will use the most seemingly insignificant thing that you do for him for his glory. I had an experience just a few months ago. We had a campaign we were running this past year called Cambo 14, for Cambodia 14. And the pandemic was raging. I was unwilling to let it slow down ministry. And so we, were, we needed, I, I, I asked God for 14 new Filipino missionaries to send into Cambodia. It was a heavy lift. We had to have people that were willing to go in the midst of the pandemic. We had to raise money. It cost $2,000 per missionary just to pay for the quarantine to get them into the country. And God provided it all. And on the day, one of the days that we were there, we were at this event, we were recognizing the Cambo 14 missionaries. There was a young lady named Roxanne, single lady, 
who had surrendered to become a missionary to Cambodia and was part of the Cambo 14 team. After this event, she comes up to me and she says, I don't think you know me. I said, no, I know you, you're just on stage. Yeah, I know you are. She said, she says, no, but you don't remember the first time we met. And I said, true. I don't remember the first time we met. She said, I'd like to tell you. I said, okay, so I got Luann, we sat down, we talked. And she said, when I was 14 years old, a freshman in high school, I was at the Antipolo National High School and you visited my high school. I said, really? I said, I remember when that happened. She said, yeah. She says, I saw you across the driveway, across the basketball court. And she says, honestly, I was just a young Filipino girl in high school. as a freshman in high school. And I looked over there. You were this big American guy. And you were quite intimidating. And I heard that you had gone to some classes to talk, but you didn't come to my class. And at the end of the day, the school day, when I was leaving with my friend, you were out on the street. She said, and you were passing out these flyers, inviting people to the youth service that evening. And so my friend and I actually walked near you, and you gave my friend a flyer and invited her to the, the event. She says, but you didn't give me one. And I remembered the moment when she said that, and I turned to her and I said, and you said something. She said, yes. And she said loud enough for me to hear. I don't know if that was her intention, but I heard it. She said, Bakit binigyan ka ng imbitasyon? Hindi mo ako binigyan. Which means, why did he give you an invitation and he didn't give me? When I heard that, I circled around, stopped him, and I looked at her and I said in Tagalog, you, I want you to have an invitation too. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to overlook you. Would you come? She was blown away that I could speak Tagalog. And she was like stunned. She said, I went to this meeting and that night I got saved. I in, finished high school. I enrolled in Bible college and graduated from Global Life University. I taught in a Christian school. And then when you asked for God to, to call out 14 missionaries to Cambo Cambodia, she said, I decided to give my life to be a missionary. All because of a little flyer. Can I tell you when the battle is hot, keep going. It may be something that you would consider insignificant that God would do something incredible with. Would you bow your heads for just a moment?